Well, good morning. Can you believe it's going to be 88 degrees today in February? Is that like summer or what? I know. At least the humidity's down. It feels kind of good, at least in the shade. And thank you for joining us today. Those of you who are watching online, you're probably at the beach. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, maybe you're in your, uh, your slippers in your living room. We're glad that you're joining us today. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, there's a group out in the pavilion. It's nice out there. i got the fans going. need the fans today. Um, as Julie said, if you don't mind grabbing your, um, your program, um, we are ramping up into Easter as we head up into these next few weeks, and I'll tell you a couple things at the end about that. But we're continuing our series today called Un- Unmasking Relationships, Timeless Relationship Truths in the New Normal. And it's amazing to me as we've been going through this series how we can see that Scripture's written 2,000, 3,000. Today I'm going to read you a verse from 5,000 years ago, how they are so applicable today in a pandemic kind of society that we're going through. And we've been mentioning that the last 11, the last 11 months have obviously been some of the most stressful months that any of us have ever been through. And one of the places that we're seeing the devastating effects of the pandemic is in our interpersonal relationships. And this series is a series on relational health. How can we have healthier relationships? Look, today I want to talk about a very, very sensitive issue. Um, It's hard to talk about for me, and it's hard to listen to to as we're going through it as a church family. Um, so kind of no humor today. That's weird for me. Um, usually a lot of times when we talk about a heavy, heavy subject, I'll use a lot of humor and then clobber you with the truth. You never see it coming. Um, that's about the funniest thing I'm going to say today uh, because we're going to talk about a silent subject that nobody really wants to talk about, but it's an issue that we need to talk about, especially when we're dealing with broken relationships, and that's the issue of abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, and I know I know that some of the things, I'm going to talk right to the camera to those of you who are watching online, I know that some of the things that I'm going to talk about today may trigger you, and I don't want to leave you hanging, I don't want to bring up things and not offer any help or encouragement along the way. So if you feel like in today's message, a call to action that I've got to do something or it brings some things up that make it difficult, um, I want you to email me or I want you to text me. I at least want to be praying for you. But if you text or email me, I will try to connect you with someone um, who might be able to give you some help, Christian counselor. Um, or someone else who can help you. My email address is jerry at seminolechurch.com. You should already have my my cell number to text me. You should always have your pastor's number in your phone. So it's 407-923-4634. You can just run it back online and catch that till you get it. It's interesting to me that the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, you should all read 2 Timothy chapter 3 uh, at your leisure maybe this week. The Bible tells us, talking about the last days, there's a lot of talk about, are we in the last days? Are the last days coming? 
The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2, chapter 3, that in the last days, abuse is going to rise, that it's going to increase in prevalence. And, of course, we're seeing this all around us as our culture decays. We are in a decaying culture. Truth is, we've been in a decaying culture, you know, really since the garden. But we really see it right now. Because as we see more and more people live for themselves, live for self, live for selfish, and less and less people that live for God, I don't know if you've noticed, but in our world today, less people, less and less people are living for God. And we lose our spiritual roots. Abuse is at an all-time, all-time high. All you have to do is turn on the news, log into Twitter, all walks of our society, this impacts. We see it with government leaders in the news. We see it with civic leaders. We see it at school, we, teachers and preachers. And it seems as if we can see abuse happening around us almost anywhere and everywhere. Physical abuse and sexual abuse are those that are really pretty easy to identify. It's much harder to pin down emotional abuse. How do you know whether it's emotional abuse or not? It's much more subtle. People make far more excuses for emotional abuse that goes on because they can kind of get away with it. There's not as much evidence, and it's a he said, she said, or she said, he said, or he said, he said, she said, they said, however you want to look at it. Abuse, emotional abuse goes on because it's far easier The Bible is literally filled with examples of abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, emotional, even spiritual abuse. And the reason we need to deal with it or learn to deal with this is because the damage of abuse lasts a lifetime. Truth is, it it outlasts our lifetime in a lot of ways because we pass it on from generation to generation. So I want to share a message of hope with you today, that no matter where you are, no matter what you've been through in the past or what you're experiencing right now, you can break free from abuse and you can recover from it. And it doesn't have to define the rest of your life or your entire life. If you don't, if you don't take the steps and learn how to break free from abuse, then you're destined to carry it with you your whole life and possibly, as I said, pass it on from generation to generation. And that's unnecessary. As your pastor loves you, I don't want you to do that. And you don't want to do that. So I want to talk about how to be free from abuse and I was going to read you page after page of statistics. Um, They're so sobering, but honestly, I decided that I was going to uh, go in a different direction at the end, and I needed some extra time. I'll tell you about that in a second. Um, I, I just decided I don't want to spend 10 minutes trying to convince you that abuse is happening around us. I think we can all accept that. So the one out of twos and the one out of fours and the so many millions and all of that just kind of bounces off of us anyway. But given the statistics of how prevalent abuse is, there's little doubt that even if we don't personally experience abuse in our lifetime, 
at some point, that we all know someone that we care about and that we love who has been abused. We, we need to know the steps in breaking free from abuse and recovering from the pain so that we can help others. We, it may save us or it may save someone that we love. So whether you have been in, abu- in an abusive relationship or you are in one now, or you know someone who has been in an abusive relationship, or they are in one now, or whether you know someone who will be in one, you just don't know it yet, in the future, we all need to know what the Bible says and how we can help people, the people in our lives that we care about. In fact, towards the end of the message, I'm going to play a video where I sat down with my daughter Kristen, who is helping us lead worship today, and and we talked about how we can all be involved in ending abuse, specifically in the area of human trafficking. And she's very involved in that, in that movement. You know, there's no single passage in the Bible that I can say, turn to this passage, and here it lines out the seven ways or the seven steps. And even though the Bible doesn't say, these are the seven steps in this one particular passage, It's interesting that dozens and dozens and dozens of examples of abuse exist in the Bible. Dozens of examples of all kinds of abuse. And dozens of verses that deal with the steps or the principles necessary of how we can help someone who's been abused or how we ourselves can respond and break free from that abuse. So I want to give you just five steps today. These aren't the only five. They're the fives that I've chosen out of many more that I could bring you. And I want you to jot these down. If you've got your pen, you've got your outline open. Um, because these, if they don't help you, they may help others. But if you're in a situation, I hope that you will. I'm praying that you'll have the courage to take some of these steps today. So the first one I want you to jot down is if I'm going to help someone break free from abuse, step number one is you don't keep the abuse a secret. We can't keep it under wraps anymore. Nothing is going to happen until you take this first step. Nothing's going to help happen unless you help your friend to take this first step. It's the most common thing in the world when someone is abused to say, I'm never going to tell anybody about this. You know, sometimes people are afraid to tell about the abuse because often abusers use threats to keep their victims silent. Well, if you tell anyone, I'll leave you. If you tell anyone, I'll take the kids from you. Or if you tell anyone, you know, people don't fight fear. They'll say, well, if you, if you tell anyone about this, I'll just kill myself. Or the worst, if you tell anyone, I'll kill you or someone you love. So it stays hidden. That's the devil's strategy is to keep you isolated, to keep it hidden, to keep it. And, and, and then he adds to that something else that we're going to talk about, shame, in just a second. And, 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 and it keeps you alone. And I want you to know you're not alone. I mean, the statistics prove you're not alone. And testimony of believers who've been set free indicate that you're not alone and that there's hope. But the Bible says you've got to share your pain. 
You've got to find someone you can talk to, someone you can trust, someone you can talk to in order to break free. You don't hide it. You don't want to conceal it. You don't want to pretend that it's not there. You don't want to go through life faking it. And in Christian circles, especially sometimes that's what happens. It's like, hey, you know, we got Jesus. Everything's just fine. Let's just pretend. And that's debilitating and even dangerous. So you don't want to ignore or close your eyes to it. And we as a church, and we as Christians, and we as the church have to stop. Stop ignoring abuse. What you need to do is you need to talk about it. That's the starting point. Don't keep a secret. You've got to share with somebody. Now, Jesus is the one who said in John 8, 32, a very famous verse, where Jesus said, the truth will set you free. And the way we get free is first to face it. And that means admit it and open up. Abuse is often the, the silent epidemic. It's like the big pink elephant in many, many marriages, and nobody wants to talk about it. It may have been in the family that you grew up in as a child, and you still have never talked about it. Nobody talks about it. So people end up suffering in silence. And what happens is the other thing the devil does is abuse does this crazy thing in our mind. It has an amazing way to create shame in us. I don't want to talk about it because if I talk about it, people are going to, I'm so ashamed of what happened to me. People are going to judge me and people are going to treat me differently. So if you don't get anything else that I get and you're tuning in, I just want you to know wherever you're sitting, whether you're in here out of the pavilion, you're sitting at home or on the beach somewhere, you're listening in your car, I just want you to know if you've been abused as a child or if you were abused as a teenager or if you've been abused as an adult, it is not your fault. Let me say that again. It's not your fault. I know people say, well, you know, I contribute. or I, It's not your fault. You are not responsible for the wrong or the sinful choices that someone else makes in sinning against you. It's not your fault. The abuser must accept responsibility for his or her action. It's not your fault. Now, sometimes people ask, well, where was God when I was? Didn't God care? Doesn't he care about what happened to me? And I want to tell you the answer is yes. God loves you, and because he loves you, he cares about everything that happens to you, and he knows what happened to you. And as your pastor who loves you, I want to tell you that God loves you, and and sometimes that causes us to want to run from God, to get mad at God. But the truth is, like the song we sang, we need to run to the Father again and again and again because God recognizes what happened. He loves you and he does care. And there's hope. There's living hope in Jesus. And there are ways that we can deal with this issue and get healing from this issue. But you've got to stop being silent. You've got to speak up. You've got to find someone where you can get it out on the table. You've got to deal with it and, and bring it into the light. Well, that's the first thing. The second thing I want you to jot down, the second step in helping someone to break free from abuse, or the second step in, in you breaking free from 
an abusive situation. And I've got to not minimize or rationalize the abuse. Will you feel that in there? I've got to not minimize. Don't minimize it. Don't rationalize it. Often, when people are abused physically or emotionally or any other way, often, sometimes you don't even see it. You've denied it or excused it or minimized it or rationalized it so much for so long that people can't see the abuse that's happening to them, particularly in the area of emotional abuse. And you may have had parents or you may have had a peer, peers, or you may have had partners, a partner, somebody that abused you over and over, and you're just not getting it, you're just not seeing it. Somebody else is going to have to help you identify and name. Somebody from an objective standpoint can help you to spot it. That's why it's so important sometimes to see a Christian counselor, or at least a counselor. If you're a Christian, you should see a Christian counselor, a therapist, a life coach, someone who can get, put another set of eyes on your circumstance that you can build a relationship of trust with that can say, you know, I don't, I don't think that this is healthy. Now, you can always email or text me as your pastor, and I will help you. I know therapists, life coaches, family counselors in our area, both male and female, um, that are there. There's resources there to help you. Just email me. Say, Pastor Jerry, you know, I think I, I think I need to talk to somebody. Can you help me find someone? We'll help you. We'll help you find someone. Look at this verse. Ephesians 5, 6 says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God comes upon all those who disobey him. So you don't say things like, well, you know, he was having a bad day or she was having a bad day. Or they're under so much stress right now. That's minimizing. That's rationalizing. Or, you know, I brought it on myself. I, I said the wrong thing or I was late or I. That's minimizing or there's so many good things about them. There's so many good things about her or him. And that might be true. But you don't minimize it and you don't rationalize the actions that, that have happened. You see, we don't like to talk about abuse and admit that it's there. We don't like to face it. Because everything in us wants to say it's really no problem. I'm okay. And we want to rationalize it. I know when I start talking about something like this, it starts to bubble up and you're pushing it down and you're trying to maintain control. And even some of you who were abused in your home growing up years and years ago and you've never faced it, you've never talked about it, nobody talks about it. You're still minimizing or rationalizing. And because of that, you're not as healthy as you could be or that you think you might be. Some of you are in an abusive situation right now. No doubt that in a crowd this big or watching online, and I've been praying that God would give you the strength, the courage to instead of minimize them and rationalize them, to take some of these steps courageously. And if you want to have the strength to do that, you've got to just remember how God feels about abuse. Let me tell you, one of the best things you can do is read. You, you, we never get to these books. The, the end of the Old Testament is called the Minor Prophets. There's about a dozen Minor Prophets at the end of the Old Testament. And just about each one of these minor prophets reveals verses, lots of verses, in fact, 
about God's anger towards those who have practiced injustice or abuse, particularly to those who are weaker in society. They talk, those verses talk about how people use their strength, their physical strength, their, their political strength, their socioeconomic strength to abuse other people, to use their place of power in their life to put them. And God says, I am angry about this. And you know what else God says? He says, I'm going to judge this. So whatever happened, whether it happened a long, long time ago or it's happening now in your life, or maybe it's just beginning to happen, you're starting to see the, the first glimpses of that, don't minimize, don't rationalize. And in fact, you should pray and say, God, please give me the courage to deal with this. That's what I've been praying for you. Well, there's a third key. You can't keep it a secret. That's first. You, you can't minimize it and rationalize it. And then the third key, if you're going to help someone to break free from abuse or if you're in that situation yourself, you've got to find a safe place if necessary. You've got to help them to find a safe place so they can get to step four, which is going to talk about healing. But step three is maybe they need to get out of that situation. Help them to a safe place if necessary. Let me just say as clearly as I can, as your pastor who loves you very much, read my lips on this one. If you are being physically or sexually abused, you need to get out now. Today. Not next week. Not tomorrow. You need to make a change today. Listen. I got to tell you, as a pastor, I, you know, I've read my Bible. I, I have I mentioned lately we should all read our Bible. Yes. There's nowhere in the Bible that commands you to stay in an abusive relationship where your life or the life of your kids are in danger or you're in danger of sexual abuse. And anybody who teaches that, well, you know, you got to, they're abusing the scripture. Nowhere are you required to stay and pay. In fact, God says you need to flee that evil. You need to get out of that relationship right now. Now you say, well, Pastor Jerry, you know, but I'm married. Look, I'm not talking about filing for divorce. I'm just talking about get to a safe place so that you can start the healing process. In fact, we've talked about how God hates divorce. He hates what it does to families. But we've seen over 30 years, I can't tell you how many times I've seen families who were in tremendous crisis, who've, who've separated for the purpose of reconciliation, who've separated to, to get to a safe place, and then God has begun his work, and they have taken these steps. And sometimes the only time someone uh, gets the message that, hey, I have something to lose here, is when there's a separation so if you're not safe or if you're in fear for your life, hear me loud and clear, you need to get out. You need to get a plan together and get some help because there is help available. Now, once you're out, you begin to pray and you begin to take these steps and you begin to work 
towards a reconciliation. And you don't go back to what you had. You don't want that same old marriage. You don't want that same old relationship. You don't want that same old situation. You want God to do something new. I want a brand new way, a brand new marriage, a brand new life. I want God to change me and change the person that I'm in a relationship with. I've changed the whole family. So how can I best help a friend who's in that situation? If somebody tells me that they're going through abuse, that they're going through some kind of physical or sexual or or emotional verbal abuse, how can I help them? Well, the first thing you do is you encourage them. You can't keep this a secret. You're going to have to report this. In fact, you know, it's the law to report certain abuses. And we as clergy are trained about that, teachers, doctors, doctors. we have to get this out in the open. And I know, I know that starts a whole dominoes of effect that it seems like, like things just can't, the genie can't be put back in the bottle. And I, I'm sorry that you're in this situation. But I want to encourage you to have the courage to take these steps. And if you've got a friend, you help them. Help them find a counselor. Help them find a professional, professional help. And then the second thing you got to do is, is stay with them. Stand by them while they're going through that. That's part of the first. The second thing that we have to do, and the Bible tells us this, is we have to try to put ourselves in their shoes. And we have to understand their pain so that we can sympathize with them. It's interesting that in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, it says that we're never supposed to forget the people that are in prison. And it says we're supposed to remember people in prison. In fact, we're supposed to remember them and pray for them and care for them. But I want you to look what it says after the second half of verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 13 in the message prayer phrase. It says, remember people in prison as if you were there with them. And look on victims of abuse as if what's happened to them happened to you. We are to take the abuse of another person in our sphere of influence very seriously and take it as if it's happened to us. We're not to stand by and do nothing, to say nothing. We're to act as if it happens to us, and this is God's command to us, to share the load. Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's burdens. There's no greater burden than abuse. Share each other's burdens, and in this obey, in this way obey the law of Christ. And as I said, abuse can happen anywhere. It just doesn't happen in a marriage situation or at home. Abuse happens at work. That's why we see it all in the news all the time. It's always happening at work, it seems. It happens at school. You'll see that in the news. It happens in the neighborhood. Folks, it's even happening in ministries and church. Front page news right now in America. And it makes you feel like, well, if I can't trust my superiors at work and I can't trust, you know, the administration at a school and I can't trust my coaches, there's an Olympic coach that just committed suicide this week. It's all around us. If I can't trust the clergy, who can I trust? Folks, there's only one person you can trust, and that's Jesus. Yeah. So we've got to, as the church, stop saying, you know what, this is none of my business. You know what, teach his own. You know what, you know, I'm just going to worry about, I'm just going to worry about. We've got to stop that because God says it is your business. And if anybody ought to be on the right side of love and on the right side of the law, it ought to be us as Christians. And we should 
speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. And we should stand in the gap and defend the defenseless. Because that's what Jesus would do. And folks, if we're going to follow Jesus, and we're going to wear the little bracelet, the WWJD bracelet, then we've got to do what Jesus would do on our block, in our company, in our family, in our church, in our sports organizations, in our society. If not us, who? Who is going to do it? Besides, why do people abuse people anyway? How many times have you heard me say the words, hurt people, hurt people? Thousands of times I've said that. And that's the truth. Typically, abused abusers have been abused themselves. They are also a victim. And I have compassion for them. And that gets all tangled up because you, you hate the sin that people, that people perpetuate on someone else, but we have to also, God says, love them. And that's messed up. Hurt. People hurt people. Hurtful people hurt people. And ungracious people are people who haven't been graced. And, and we learn that eventually that, hey, we're all broken. You know, sin has broken the world from Genesis 3 all the way to now. Our bodies are broken. The weather is broken. The planet is broken. And folks, it's not going to get fixed because this isn't heaven. Newsflash. This is earth. So typically, everyone is broken, and we as Christians have got to be the ones to stand up and protect the defenseless, the offended, the the victims. Okay, let's get to the good news. If I'm going to help a friend or if I'm going to help break free, I've got to stop being silent, and I've got to stop minimizing, and I've got to get to a safe place so I can, number four, begin the healing process. From a safe place. It's so hard to begin the healing process while you're in the process of the abuse. Now Job had some advice given to him by one of his friends about 5,000 years ago. This verse is one of the first verses that were ever written in scripture. And it still makes sense today from 5,000 years ago. And if you're struggling with the pain of abuse, abuse, Job had a lot of pain. From the abuse that he had gone through. Let me read you chapter 13 to 17. I mean verse 13 to 17. Chapter 11 of Job. Job. If only you would prepare your heart. And lift up your hands to him in prayer. Get rid of your sins. And leave all iniquity behind you. Then your face will brighten. With innocence. You will be strong and free of fear. You will forget your misery. And it will be like water flowing away. Your life will be brighter than the noonday. Even darkness will be as bright as morning. And as your pastor, I would love for this verse to apply someday to your life. I want you to be able to forget your misery and that the memory of the abuse will will float away like the tide going out and be remembered no more. I would love for you to not remember the pain anymore. And God can do that in your life. I want your life to be brighter than the noonday sun, that the darkness in your life will even be, it says, as bright as morning. Now, how do you do that? It says, look what it says before that. It says, first prepare your heart. 
What does that mean? It means you've got to make a courageous decision to do what's right. It takes courage to stop keeping secrets. It takes courage to speak up. It takes courage to stop minimizing. It takes a whole lot of courage to get to a safe place. Make the courageous decision to do what's right. And then he says, lift up your hands to God in prayer. You reach out to God and you say, God, help me. And God says, I will be your rescuer. I will give you the help. You turn to God. Resist the temptation to be angry at God and to run from God. And like we sang in that song, run to the Father again and again and again. He says, get rid of your sins and all the iniquity behind you. What does that mean? God's saying, get away from evil. Folks, abuse is evil from the evil one. And the devil has, has tricked people in our lives into making wrong, sinful choices to hurt other people. And you've got to get away from that abuse. And then you can get help. And then you can have hope. And the hope is that these troubles will fade from your memory and dissipate just like the floods of the past are remembered no more. And there's no reason for you to continue to suffer in silence. No reason. Finally, there's one last step that you have to do to get healed. One last step that you have to encourage your friend who's trying to break away from abuse. That is, you've got to let God settle the score. Now, I know we have it in us where we want to, we want to get even. We want to, we want to hate them enough. We want to, to retaliate. But the truth is we can't get even. And trying to retaliate won't bring about the healing that we need. Don't try to hurt them back. Getting resentful only hurts us. It's a vicious cycle. So we let God, we choose to let God settle the score. 1 Peter 3, 9. Peter, he writes and says, Don't repay evil with evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. In other words, you cuss at me, I don't cuss at you back. You yell at me, I don't yell at you back. Never repay one wrong with another wrong. Or one abusive word with another abusive word. You hurt me, I hurt you. I don't get mad, I get even. He says, no, no, no. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Oh, that's so hard for us. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do. And he will bless you for it. Wow. Now look, if we want God's blessing in our life, we have to be different. We can't do what they did. We've got to do it differently. Now let me explain this. If, if you're in a, an abusive situation right now, you're being abused physically or sexually or verbally or emotionally right now, there's only one person in the entire universe who really understands completely what you're going through. He understands more about abuse than anybody else. His name is Jesus Christ. Isaiah in the Old Testament wrote this about Jesus. In Isaiah 53, 4, he says, Jesus was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. 
He was whipped so we could be healed. That's Isaiah 53, verse 5. Listen, if you've never met Jesus, your healing begins with him. You need to meet your Savior. I would love to introduce you to your healer because your healer and your Savior are one and the same. His name is Jesus. Nobody has ever been abused more in the history of mankind than Jesus has been abused. He knows the pain of our abuse. He knows the pain of our sin. He knows the pain of all the guilt of the world because the Bible tells us that he took on all the pain, all the sin, all the guilt of all the people of all the world when he went to the cross of Calvary. Now, we don't understand what that means. There's no way our little minds can understand what does that mean that he took on all of that, that he felt all of that, that he, he died on the cross so that we could be forgiven and we could be healed from all of that. We don't understand it all. In fact, we should ask him, God, help me to understand that more. But you've got to meet your healer to be emotionally healed because you can't get healed on your own. You're just going to carry this with you. You're just going to tell yourself, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But reality is, Jesus is the only one that can heal you from verbal abuse and emotional abuse and even the physical, spiritual, and sexual abuse because he understands, he knows, he has experienced your pain. In fact, the Bible says this and in Psalm. This is my, I don't know if this is my favorite verse in the whole Bible, but it's for sure my favorite, favorite verse in my favorite Psalm. My favorite Psalm is Psalm 34. My favorite verse is Psalm 34 is Psalm 34, 18. It says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Some translations say are crushed in spirit. So when you feel crushed, God says, I am close to you. Nothing crushes your spirit more than abuse. To feel demeaned and degraded and devalued and unimportant. To feel put down. To feel abused. To feel misused and mistreated. Jesus knows that. And he, he says, I care about you. And I care that that happened in your life. So the starting point in your healing is to just be aware that you need the healer. And you say to Jesus, Jesus, I don't understand it all. Jesus Christ, I don't understand how you could take on all of that, the guilt, the sin that's been done to me and by me, and you took it on yourself, you took that beating, you took that punishment, you took that bruising and abuse, it says, I don't understand how that all happens. And throughout history, you've done that for everyone, but I'm going to accept those words, and I want to learn to trust you. I want to learn to follow you. And I want to learn to love you. And I ask you, Jesus, is what you need to do. And you say, and I ask you, Jesus, I'm coming to you with the pieces of my broken heart. And I'm asking you to please put them back together. And then you come into my life. And you come into all the places, even the secret places of my life. And you heal me. Heal my body. Heal my mind. Heal my soul. And he will. That's what your Savior, that's what your healer wants to do. Now, one day, God is going to balance the books. That's why we can trust him. We can trust him to set the record straight. One day, he's going to settle the score. He's going to right all the wrongs because God is a just God. He's a God of grace and, he's, and love, and he's a God of 
He is just. He's righteous. And he's the only one that can really hold those in balance. But I want you to know that one day God is going to settle the score. You think Hitler is going to get away with it? You think all the evil that happens in the world, that people are going to get away with that? All the rapes, all the molestations, all the abuse. You think people are going to get away with the murders that they've committed and they just get away with that? No. One day God is going to, he says, settle the score. He's going to balance the books. And by the way, God has a lot better way of settling it than we have it because he's God and we're not. So how do we help someone break free from abuse? We, or how do we break free? You don't keep it a secret. You don't minimize it. You find a safe place so you can begin to heal, begin the healing process. And you decide, I'm going to let God settle the score. Now, Kristen and I sat down this week to talk about another way that we can all help as Christians and as the church specifically SEC, that we can help people who have been abused to break free from their abuse. Why don't you watch the side screens? Hey, everybody. I'm excited to introduce you to my daughter, Kristen, today. Decided to sit down with her and talk about one of her passions, which is the fight against human trafficking. So, Kristen, why don't you just kind of give everybody kind of a, an overview of what human trafficking really is? Okay. Uh, I'm going to start by reading the definition. Human trafficking involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. So how I started to get involved in all of this fight against human trafficking was actually back in 2012 at the Passion Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking yesterday, and I said, oh, yeah, it's, it's when I changed my Instagram handle or when it happened in my neighborhood. Actually, it goes all the way back to 2012. And that's actually when I first learned what human trafficking was and that it was even a thing. Because before that, we didn't really hear about this. Right. So at the Passion Conference, I learned that there was actually more slaves today than there had ever been in all of history. Mm. And that kind of shocked me because I was like, it's, you know, we're in the modern world. Like, how could this be? But there's actually 40 million people trapped in slavery mm. right now. And 25% of those people are children. And in the U.S. alone, there's 2 million children who are trapped in sex slavery. So just kind of like taking all that in, like those statistics are like kind of jarring to hear. Um, I couldn't not join the fight against human trafficking just because it's not okay. Right. So. And you changed your Instagram handle back then to mom against trafficking. Yeah, and why I did that is because I really wanted to start a conversation with moms um, because I think a lot of people, self-included, before 2012, didn't even really know what human trafficking is. And it's honestly a spectrum. It can look like many different things. But I wanted to start um, a conversation with moms specifically Mm -hmm. because that's the question I get all the time. How do I protect my kids from, from being trafficked? And so it's a good conversation starter. But trafficking isn't just the stranger in the van at Walmart or Target. I mean, that's right. that's no, something it, it to definitely be does happen. Yep. But most of trafficking victims are actually trafficked by somebody that they know and trust. Mm. So what I can say most to moms is um, learn the signs, learn what to look for, so that when your kids have friends, when they go to school with people, there's a pretty strong likelihood that 
They have they they know somebody who's being trafficked and they don't know it and they don't know it. Also, though, with moms and parents, um, know what your kids are doing online, know who they're talking to online, um, because a lot of trafficking situations actually start online. Right. And there's a resource that I could send any of you if you're super interested in learning about what to look for online. Um, there's been a bunch of studies on it, and they I have, like, a packet that I could send you. So you're talking about kids that are being um, – they're being loaned out for – I mean, they're being pimped out by their parents or their yeah. relatives or their friends, that this isn't necessarily stranger danger. Not usually. Right. Yeah. That's That's interesting to me or surprising to me. Well, like I said earlier, it's a spectrum. So human trafficking can look like a lot of different things. It can look like, and it's not just sex trafficking, too. Uh-huh. It can look like somebody showing up for a job interview thinking that it's going to be one thing, and then all of a sudden they're trapped into labor or sex trafficking. It could also look like a girl who has a boyfriend who is forcing her to go have sex in order to pay for their rent. Right. It can look like a lot of different things, and it's happening right in front of us all uh-huh. the time, like in our backyards. Like you were saying, I changed my Instagram handle. I actually didn't do that until a couple years ago. I changed my Instagram handle when I found out that it was happening in DeBerry, Florida, in my own neighborhood with a girl who was sadly trafficked by her parents. Mm. Um, And her parents only, she was trafficked between the years of 3 and 15, and her parents only served three years in prison Mm. for it, which is, like, unacceptable. Crazy. So what can we do as Christians and specifically maybe what can we do as Seminole Community Church to be involved? I know that this week was the end it movement. I yep. saw all the X's. Yeah, that was people's. on the 25th. Yep. To get involved, I would say a couple things. We can all do something. Um, it's kind of a daunting, like 40 million slaves, like I don't even know what to do, but you can always do something. And because it's happening locally, there's a lot of things locally that you can do. One thing that I super highly suggest is um, go to our rescue, O-U-R, rescue.com. They have a free online training. Mm. It'll tell you everything you need to know about human trafficking, what to look for, how to Our, O-U-R, O-U-R, rescue.com. Cool. Stands for Operation Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about them is they specialize in rescue and then aftercare for children who have been sex trafficked. Yeah. Um, love them. They also have a great documentary on Amazon Prime called Operation Toussaint. You get to follow a real operation, real sting operation in Haiti, and mm-hmm. that teaches you so, so much about how to protect your own kids as well. Um, so That's Operation Toussaint? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's on Amazon Prime. Okay, I think cool. it's $2, and it's worth every penny. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two things. So educate yourself. So that's number one. Number two, put the national hotline in in your phone. If you go to polarisproject.com, you can find the national hotline. They run the national hotline. They also have tons of resources for you to learn about human trafficking. And then just on a local level, um, the biggest need that I know that we have in Orlando is aftercare. Because right. a lot of people who are rescued out of a trafficking situation sadly end up going back into it because they don't have housing. They don't have the therapy they need. They don't have um, a lot of them need to go through rehab. So things like that. Mm. I know that you're using some of your social media skills, which you do for a living, 
to help some of these projects. I hope that more people will get involved in doing whatever they can, whatever they specialize in to help. Thanks for thanks for sharing. I hope that as the years go by, we'll be able to be even more involved as a church. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Hmm. Well, I know that that is a uh, an area where a lot of people have said, hey, I want to help, or what can I do? Um, so email Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N at Seminole Church, and um, she'll be happy to connect you with more information than you ever knew was was right there at your fingertips. You know, it's it's interesting when I um when I had Kristen in my office at home the other day and I asked her, you know, why is this such a passion to you? Um she's like, I don't really know. She's like, I'm gonna tear up. That's why I didn't ask her this on on video. She said, but all I could think about is that there's someone out there that's being that's trapped and they're waiting for someone to come and help. And she says, I just feel like if I was that person, I would want someone to do something. So we as a church cannot just, we as the church, we as Christians cannot just sit back when probably in our own subdivision, things like this is going, is happening. I know this has been a tough message. Because it brings up a lot of emotions in, in many of us. One of the problems and in, in why we have to deal with abuse head on is because it is so contagious. And it does get passed down from generation to generation. Because if you saw abuse in your family of origin growing up, and maybe it was okay to, uh, to slap or to hit, or to to verbally abuse, then then you have that tendency statistically to carry that forward into your home, into your family. And if your kids are growing up and seeing this in your house, you know deep down what's happening. They're learning that these patterns are okay. And that should wake you up and want you to help you to want to get some help to take these steps to reach out. And then we can all be a part of being a safe place for people to come and and to start that conversation. So let's all be more aware and let's ask God to help us with that. If you'll if you'll pray with me, we've got to break the cycle. As we bow our heads, I know this has been a a painful message for many of you. And I want you to know that no matter what you've gone through, whether you've been abused or you've been the abuser, whether you've been the victim or, or the victimizer, there's a way out. And I want you to know that God cares about you. The Seminole Church cares about you. And I care about you as your pastor. And you don't have to stay in the pain on either side of this any longer. There's healing available for both victims and abusers. And it starts, it really starts in the person of Jesus Christ by accepting his salvation. You're going to need his help to untangle this mess, to break free from this evil. So I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to invite you to pray this in your own heart, in your own mind. 
and just say, Dear Jesus, I do need your salvation in so many ways. Just make that your prayer. I'm a sinner and I, and I need to be saved. I need your help. I need to be healed from my hurts. I need to be free from my past. And I need to, the power, your power, Jesus, to develop new patterns. New patterns of living. I need a new mind and a new heart and a new outlook. I need a new me. So Jesus Christ, today, as much as I know how, I ask you to come into my heart and into every area of my life, even the secret places like Jerry said, and to start doing your work. Jesus, start shining your light. I want the truth to set me free. And I want to trust you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And as, as we continue to pray, if you've, if you've just prayed that prayer, I believe that God's heard you with our heads still bowed. Why don't you just, why don't you just thank God for hearing you? Say, Jesus, thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me. Now help me to take these tough steps to grow in love, become the man or the woman you want me to be. I want the pain to flow away like that verse said. And I want the light in my life to shine like the noonday sun. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for every person who's here who's listening online, who will listen later as this message is shared and shared and shared around the world. I just pray a blessing on them. I pray a blessing of courage that this week that many will say, you know what, I'm not going to keep this a secret anymore. I'm done minimizing this. I'm not going to rationalize it. I've got to get to a safe place. And if I've got to leave a relationship to get safe, then so be it. Help us to have the courage to deal. To deal with abuse in our lives and to find people that can help us. To help us get on a path of growth and healing. And why don't you pray this prayer and say, Heavenly Father, please save my life and save my relationships and start the healing process in me. And then say, God, I'm going to let you settle the score. And I'm going to trust you. Father, I thank you for a church who allows me to talk about some tough things sometimes. I pray that you will help us to be the church. And that you'll help us to be the light in this dark, dark world. And that you'll open up more and more opportunities for us to help people who need your help. Connect them with you. We thank you for loving each and every one of us so, so much. And it's in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.